Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. We are going to continue in the book of Galatians, but before we do that, I want you to go to Acts chapter 26. I, did, I left this out of my notes last week, and I thought I would remember it, and it was one of those things where I was going to say the reference, but it would have taken a lot of time. I wasn't sure if it was in the place where I thought it was, and I should have went with my first instinct and just said it, because it is there in Acts chapter 26. Before we get into you know, the rest of uh, chapter 2, and Paul is really talking about the authenticity of his apostleship. It was under attack quite a bit, but Paul received direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. So when he says there in Galatians chapter 2, the gospel I've received is not of men or of something that someone has uh, taught me, it's from Jesus Christ himself, we can really stamp our seal of authenticity and approval onto Paul, but a lot of people in his day you got to remember who he was, okay? He, he was somebody that persecuted the church. He was putting people in jail. He was stopping the ministry from growing, or at least he was trying. He was present at the stoning of Stephen, and he was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. So he's someone who had the voice, and he had the respect, of, certainly of the Jewish people. And now everything has transitioned radically. I mean, within one trip, where he was going to persecute the church even further, within one trip, everything changed. Okay, and we, we studied the road to Damascus where, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why do you kick against the, the pricks? And we talked about what that meant, the, the illustration there. But Paul is in front of Agrippa here in Acts chapter 26, and there's more detail. And I just... I'm slapping my hands here because it's good. It's so good what Paul says. I mean, it puts anybody who says that Paul was uh, chosen to believe, like uh, chosen to be saved, it puts that to bed. And it also goes over exactly what Paul's purpose was. I mean, you can't change this. This is what you call source verifying, you know? All that that news out there today where you don't know if it's true or not because you can't find any sources. Here's the source. Look what it says here. In Acts chapter 26, in uh, verse 12, Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round me, uh, round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now, mark this here, because this is not in Acts chapter 9. Obviously, the Holy Spirit didn't share it with us there to highlight something here. That conversation with, with, with Paul, who, who was formerly Saul until this moment, is now, it's elaborated by Jesus himself. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. 
What's the purpose? And we see this a little bit in Acts chapter 9 when Jesus is talking to Ananias. And he says, This is going to, you know, you got to tell him what great things he needs to suffer for my name's sake. But he says, To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Now, mark that. Appear unto thee. So then when we see in Galatians chapter 2 that Paul received his teaching directly from the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a moment after his conversion on the road to Damascus that he met with Jesus as Jesus said he's going to appear unto him, and he received teaching. Teaching that was enough for him to write a vast majority of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Scripture. So let me just say this too. There is no difference between Jesus' gospel and Paul's gospel. There's none. And anyone who tells you that, you need to question where they're getting their sources from. We're not against that individual, but that doctrine is it's a heresy. But, uh, 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom, I, unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. Now this is interesting. A part of his sending to go to the, to the people to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by what? By faith that is in me. That's great. I almost want to stop right there. Because I don't know what else can be said, but I'm a true pastor, so I can stretch this out for two hours. But look at, look at the... Just look at the important phrasing here. You got that word, turn. You've got the word turn, and I believe in proper context. When it says turn from, uh, uh, turn them from darkness to light, he's not talking about their actions. He's talking about their inability to see what had been done for them in the person of Jesus Christ to the light, to understand it's by faith in him. What's it say underneath the next part? And from the power of Satan. You know in, in I think it's 1st or 2nd Corinthians 4.4, 4, where it says, the, the little g, God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them. So not only are they recognizing that they need to stop depending on themselves and put their faith in Jesus, they're combating, and a part of Paul's mission was to combat the work that the devil was already doing, and he's still doing it today. We've talked in length, at length about that but also that they may receive two things. Note the two things. Forgiveness of sins, inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So the person that has the forgiveness of sins and has an inheritance is also sanctified by what? Faith. There is no mention of works here. No, not one. And if you have a modern translation as far as using the, the words of Christ in red, you see that the words here are in red. This is what Jesus said, not what Paul said that Jesus said. And I say that for people that doubt if they had the same gospel. I don't know how you can come to that conclusion. But this is so energizing and motivating because we hear it from Jesus Christ himself. And we've got to understand the weight of when we hear things from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ verified the entirety of the Old Testament. In one statement, he verified Daniel chapter 9's prophecy. 
He verified the coming events in the tribulation period and his second coming. So when the apostles were uh, at the, uh, at, on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw what they saw, they weren't high on something. What they saw was accurate and true. And guys, that means that our sins really are paid. That means that he did, in fact, rise again from the dead. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 or 15 talks about the over 500 that had seen him at once. People want to say the most common or the, the most rational idea of people really believing that Jesus came back from the dead started with a shared hallucination by the apostles. Let's, even if that were true, how do you convince somebody else? Somebody comes down to your house and tells you something. I have seen a vision, and you buy it. And that person gets shot because they don't recant. Now the gun's pointed at you. You're going to die for it too? Well, I heard him say it, so that's worth losing my life over. It doesn't work that way. People had seen Jesus after he'd come back from the dead. And that started, as the persecution began, it started to spread, and that faith started to grow. You realize that there were people who knew what they saw was true. And that grew their faith, brought us to the scriptures that we have here. And, and the wonderful accuracies of the, uh, the New Testament. Verse 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and of Jerusalem and, all, and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Uh-oh. Here it is. Jesse didn't read the rest of it. It, it, it hides it right there. All this has to be talking about is the change of mind. And then when Paul says, do works meet for repentance, is that they continue to exercise their faith to reach more people. We cannot be talking about here that they have to be sorry for their sins because that would contradict exactly what was said in verse 18 by Jesus himself. When we see this phraseology here, Paul is talking about he's making believers and then making disciples out of those believers. And we know with books like 1 Peter, who they're written to, that this is the, their persecuted people who had been separated out of their original place of habitation so that they could continue to get the gospel out. You want to see a church on fire and, on, and, and growing? Persecute it. That's how it happens. This is why it says that those who are godly will suffer persecution. I don't think it's the kind of persecution where it's like, wow, I'm having a bad day in the stocks. I twisted my ankle the other day. I'm suffering for the Lord. I, mm, no. <laughs> I'm not going to say I don't think it works that way. I know it doesn't work that way. We're talking about people losing their lives, losing their families, losing their, their, their places of residence, their ability to make money. And they will be persecuted for identifying with the Lord. They, it's happened for thousands of years. Isn't it interesting to see that all of a sudden people are beginning to wake up to the persecution around the world? I'm glad to know missionaries like Dr. Charlie Bing, who's involved with places and people where their youth pastors are being shot. A couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, but he gave report out of someone out of Myanmar who was a youth pastor shot by a Buddhist. I mean, that's... If you know anything about 
Buddhists, they're not supposed to be violent. They're not supposed to be, you know, difficult people. But they shot somebody because they identify with Jesus Christ. The persecution, it's going to continue. You have teachers now that are saying that you have to be radical against racism. There's an article, and I will admit, I just read the headline. But the headline said that there was a professor who's teaching their students to ethically lie in order to fight uh, white privilege and other things in, in this country. Ethically lie. Well, it's just about race, okay, right now. <laughs> when is it going to get to the point where you can ethically lie to out somebody as a believer or as a disciple of Jesus? Folks, got to keep your head on a swivel because those days are coming. They're coming, and they're coming quicker than you and I realize. What I think is incredible is, <laughs> look down there in verse 27. Paul's going through. He's literally pouring his heart out to try and reach this, this, this king. Verse 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. We sang a hymn last week, Almost Persuaded. I wonder if King Agrippa ever came to the point of repentance, to where he changed his mind about who Jesus Christ is and put his faith in him. We don't know. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll see old King Agrippa up there. But I don't know. It's interesting, though, to see exactly from this, this passage what Paul's mission was. Paul was to win souls and then teach them. He said, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. I went and did it. And I was teaching people how to have works, as it says there in, in verse 20, and do works meet for repentance. This, I see James chapter 2 all over this. Faith without works is dead. You're a Christian, but no one knows but you. Those are not works meet for repentance. Doesn't invalidate your salvation, but let me tell you, you are ineffective. You ever went to go use a tool or go to use your car and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do? That's the, it's the exact opposite of what you want. I can't tell you how many times. My dad gave me a, a, or a 1998 Toyota Avalon. Y'all remember them cars? I'm acting like I'm 100 years old. Y'all remember them cars? No, <laughs> it's an Avalon, you know what I'm saying? But it had leather on the inside, and it was my grandmother's, and when she passed away, he received the car, and when I graduated, that was my car. I had that car for about 15 months, because for 15 months, I did not change the oil. Well, Jesse, didn't your dad teach you? Yeah, but guess what? Hello, this is Knucklehead, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And I remember I was going right down here, veterans, to come to Friday Night Soul Winning, and I, boom! <laughs> white smoke. The car was shot. I had to ride, and my mother-in-law will attest to this, I had to ride with my mother-in-law to work for three months. And that's why after that I said, honey, I don't care if we can afford it, I'm getting a second car. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I didn't take care of that that I had. And it, it, it was of no use. If you don't take care of your faith and use it, it's of no use to the lost man. 
And that's what it means when it says faith without works is dead. Do works uh, meet for repentance. When he says repent and turn, that doesn't talk about stop sinning and then you know, turn to God in, in, in some act of volition. Repent, change your mind, and look to the Lord. This is what we're talking about here. So we can see that Paul had a, Paul gets the same kind of command that you and I get. Go out there and win people. We can take part in what happened all those years ago by just giving a tract, sharing the gospel. Your life matters. It really does. You are incredibly valuable. You have an opportunity to win souls, guys. I do not discount your life, regardless of how difficult it may get. And it, no one's, there's no guarantee that your life is going to be easy breezy. It will get hard. But don't let that silence you on the gospel. Remember Yankee saying, one of these days I may go to jail for what I teach. He said, I'm going to have a prison ministry. That's a really good way to look at it, you know? But I'm sure in the moment when he's getting checked in, you know what I'm saying? He's like, whoa, I'm in jail. Like, this is going to be tough. Lord, give me strength. And I think he will give him the strength that he needs. The Yankee's probably getting uncomfortable back there. Going, Does he know something I don't know? <laughs> no, just kidding. But I just want that to be an encouragement to you. And, and, and before we start looking verse by verse through chapter 2, I wanted to make sure I covered that. Because that's just, that's really, really good. All right, look in uh, chapter 2 of Galatians. We're in chapter 2 on page 1,242 in a church Bible. Look there in verse 1. Then, 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them, that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So he's talking to the Gentiles, and then he talks to the, the, the Jewish people. But neither Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, which was a part of the Jewish tradition, that the male was circumcised on the eighth day. And that because of false, false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our, now mark this please, liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they may bring us into bondage. I think this is what happened with the people in Galatia, in the area of Galatia, and the book of Hebrews. They're being brought back into bondage. You've got liberty in Christ wherewith we are free. Not free to do as we please in regards to sin, but there are no, there's no law to determine our righteousness. It's the law of Christ. We can fulfill the law by loving the Lord and loving our neighbor. How do you love your neighbor? You plant a garden for him? Well, I, this is a start. But the ultimate way you love your neighbor is you open up this thing and let the gospel come out. And you're patient and you're kind and you represent the Lord well in the way you carry yourselves. So that when you have a chance to speak, you speak the truth and it's received. I don't know why people seem to think that it's like all the once saved, always saved Christians are down at the bar. Or, or they're just shooting up drugs. Or watching all sorts of filthy content because we're once saved, always saved, baby, live it up. They're, we never teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that. 
There are two places in Romans specific where it says, should we continue in sin because grace abound? Uh, God forbid. And to that I say, amen. And to that you say, amen. We should live disciplined lives. It helps us become better soul winners. So that puts everything in proper perspective. But there were people who they snuck in. You remember those cartoons, Tom and Jerry? That little mouse, I think Tom was the cat, right? And Jerry was the little mouse. He, he's so small, you couldn't hear him anyway. So true of a real mouse, by the way. Ever had one of them in your house? Never forget, I was underneath my crawl space. Uh, well, it's not a crawl space, but it was space underneath my stairs, and we were looking for this rat. And it, I call it a rat, and you're thinking like a giant thing that eats a pizza in New York, but, <laughs> or runs a theme park down there in Orlando. This was not Mickey Mouse, nor was it his clubhouse. And I was trying to get him out. But this rat, this mouse, jumped in front of me, like just right across my face. And I got scared, and I jumped out, and I smacked my head on the back of that thing. So already I'm like more mad than ever. I'm getting my 9 millimeter out. I'm just kidding. Didn't do that. But that thing surprised me. It had crept into my house, and I was totally unaware. And it was there for, for a couple of months. Yes, that's a funny story, but let me tell you, that's how they creep into your lives too. I'm telling you. They're probably, you've listened to podcasts by people who are not clear on the gospel. I had a guy call me, just this, this is relevant because we're talking about people that come in unaware. He's, he's looking for a church and he, he feels like he found one, but the pastor often quotes large passages from John MacArthur. And this individual says, you know, this makes me uncomfortable because even though he, he doesn't say that he supports MacArthur, he's quoting him. So someone may hear and say, my pastor quoted this, therefore it's someone that I can, you know, I can trust and follow. You know, that's why when I build my sermons, there's not a lot of commentary from other people. I just want the Bible to speak for itself because it can be dangerous. But look what it says there. Who came in privily to spy out they're doing one of these, loitering up to a conversation, and they're just listening. And they move on to the next one, and they're listening, and they come to church for a little while, and they're listening, and then all of a sudden, the doctrine starts coming out. Well, did you, what about this? What about this? Have you considered this? And then specifically here, the, they're spying out this freedom that they have, which is in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. <laughs> I like that. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Uh, I'd like to say something. Nope. You don't get a chance to do that. We're not even going to give you the opportunity to preach it and teach it. But of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somehow, or excuse me, somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrawise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, this is when we see circumcision, uncircumcision here, we're talking about Gentiles of the uncircumcision, Jews of the circumcision. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision was uh, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. They're doing the same thing, same message, getting things going. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, 
they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship. You know what that is? Put her there. That's a handshake. There, there, there is some idea that the church of Jerusalem, listen to me now, there's an idea out there that the church of Jerusalem taught a works-based gospel. And there's people that try to write off the book of James because they can't explain J James chapter 2. So they go, it must not be inspired. And they go to the one place in Scripture where Paul went there to do some things. And let me tell you, that place in Scripture where they're talking about, it's in Acts chapter 14, 15, and 16, where it goes and Paul gives the idea that he wants to go to Jerusalem, and there's a man who binds him hand and foot and says, the Holy Spirit forbid you from going. And Paul said, I'm going to go. And so the Holy Spirit said, okay, you can go. And Paul came under arrest there. He was brought under persecution. But some people look at some of the things that James said and say, mm, seems like they want Paul to you know, give the appearance of keeping the law. And they had somebody go with Paul who was going to give an offering. And people have been using that as an attack ever since. So then when you get to faith without works is dead, and people don't understand the context in which it's written to believers, your faith without works is dead in relation to, number one, how you're going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, and number two, how we can get the gospel out. It's of no effect if you're not willing to go out there and, and do the works meet of repentance. People have written off. They've decanonized James. And they say, it must not be of Scripture because it's not clear. It is clear. This verse right here tells you that the work of Paul and the work of the church in Jerusalem, they're doing the same thing. <laughs> Sorry, I get heated with that stuff. I mean, just passion because there's the proof. Because it can scare you when you hear things like James was works-based. You ought not be scared because the Bible teaches against that. And it teaches it crystal clear. Look, I'm not, I'm not shaking hands with someone that I don't like. I'm not going against somebody who teaches a false gospel and saying, right hand of fellowship, brother. <laughs> Sorry, I did. And look how, also consider this. Remember what Paul said in the beginning? Any other gospel is a curse. I say it again. Why would he put the right hand of fellowship out with the church in Jerusalem if they were teaching a false gospel? He wouldn't. They're on the same, same page. Look what it says here now in verse 10. So, so we heard all of that, and now he's, he's going to get into a little bit of a, well, not a little bit of a, it's, it's a rebuke. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. This is not a friendly thing. Something happened and Paul corrected him. And he didn't, he didn't mince words either because he was to be blamed. For before, and I want you to see why there was such strong rebuke against Peter here. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. Now, before, this is a no-no. Jesus was often criticized by the religious leaders of his day. He eats with the publicans and the sinners and the harlots. Why does he do it? We're Jews. Don't you know? Well, I'm taking a risk trying to button this thing. 
We're Jews, don't you know? See how, see how fast that became unbuttoned? Anyway. We don't, we don't mix with the heathen. No. Well, here's Peter, a Jew, eating with the Gentiles. And there's no problem until. But when they were come, he withdrew, separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, fearing the, the Jews. He's giving the appearance of something that is against what is taught in the gospel. We are all one in Christ Jesus where there is no what? Jew or Gentile. There is no male or female. There is no bond or free. We're all one in one body. But the, listen, favoritism, which is the same thing that James led on about in chapter 2 of his book. They were favoring the rich. Oh, here's the example. Tom Brady walks in this evening. You're going to sit right there, Tom. I'm going to have my finest men walk you right down the aisle. You sit right there. You, you need something to drink. You need uh, 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 an avocado. What do you need, Tom? We'll, we'll make it happen for you. And then the homeless man walks in and we say, I want you to sit back there because I don't like how you're dressed and I don't like how you smell and you give the appearance that I don't want to support. That is partiality. That is favoring one person over another. And James spoke about it strongly in chapter 2. Shame that you do such things. You bring rebuke to the name of God, to the gospel that we preach. So when Peter did essentially the equivalent, Paul came right up and said, Brother, I got a bone to pick with you. Verse 13, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. So even the people that were doing as Peter had done, because he's the example, he's the role model, they also separated. Insomuch that Barnabas was also, also was carried away with their uh, dis dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the standard I set, said Paul, no, the truth of the gospel. Paul's not a legalist. He's not following rules for the sake of trying to be holy. He said, listen, and I want you to look up here. If it's not taught in the gospel, why do we support it? Or have any kind of inkling that we may? For those of you who are here in the audience and those of you who are watching online, the same thing can be said of you and me if we are not careful. Why do we go to these concerts? Why do we support these, these, these TV preachers? you got to be careful that you're not supporting something that is contradictory to the gospel. When I was a teenager, I wore graphics tees that had images and whatever on them. You know, I don't do that anymore because I don't want to support something that I might not be aware fully of what it is. You know what I loved about Kyla? She had a Christian t-shirt for everything. <laughs> you know, like the one, do you remember them? where it was just blatant copyright infringement, but it was like, you know, the Coca-Cola logo. You remember this, right? I'm looking at her mother. <laughs> and instead of saying Coca-Cola, it says, like, trust Jesus. Or my favorite one was the John Deere logo, but it says, trust Jesus. <laughs> like, I just, it, I, I know it's real subtle. and may not be pertinent, but she used that as an opportunity to share faith. Nicole's got a shirt on today that has the nails. 
That's great. We should be about those things. But we got to be careful. We got to be careful. I think one of the greatest dangers for you and me right now is being relevant in the, in the idea of art. You know, going out to, you know, movies and different things like that. We got to, you just need to be careful. Because nowadays, guys, it's in your face. And we just saw what's going on with the number one animators in the world are now set on creating content that is going to teach sexual preferences to minor, minor, minors. I mean, we got kids back there in Awana who there are people who are creating content for them to question their sexuality. It's hard for me to really support anything of that company anymore. And 10 years ago, you asked me, I'd be like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. That's a pretty big deal. And if you and I are not aware of these things, we are just willfully ignorant. Let me tell you, there's nothing that Disney's making right now that's making it hard for me to leave. Um, it's, I haven't been there for a while, you know what I'm saying? Look what it says. Verse 14, chapter 2 of Galatians, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If thou... Being a Jew, livest not the manner of Gentiles, and not as, as do the Jews. Why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? This is important. We're trying, they're, um, speaking as Paul, Peter, we're trying to win people. Why are you going to show this partiality and the people that are watching are going to imitate that? Why would the Jew want to change the way they live if the Gentiles not going to do it themselves? Listen, this is all not relating to people getting saved. This is about people growing. Growing. We got two pots of flowers out there. One of them gets more sunlight than the other. And I, you go out there and ask me, or you go out there and tell me which one. <laughs> you know. You know. Because there's one that looks like it checked out a long time ago. And we have water going to that and all that stuff, but it just doesn't get enough sunlight. The other one does. They're both flowers. They're both here at Calvary Community Church. We're not looking at that and saying, wow, too bad that's a, not a flower anymore. No, it's just, it's, it's dead. It has no value. Right? It's comical, but this is how people look at salvation. Well, that person doesn't go to church anymore. Well, they don't come out souling anymore. Well, they left Calvary Community Church. Must not be saved anymore. No, they're not growing. People are not growing. The difference between you and me and the flower is you and I can put ourselves in positions to grow. If I take that good flower basket and put it in here for six weeks, it'll become compost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that flower has no choice, but you and I do have a choice, and that's what Paul is saying to Peter. Be careful. Why would you do that? And then it leads us in to the, the, the remainder here. The, the remainder here. Verse 15. We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Now, we're just going to pause there for a second. What does he mean by that statement? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. See, the Jews had the, they had the, the law. And they taught it. Listen, many Jewish boys knew a majority of the first five books of the Bible before their 13th birthday. That's one of the reasons why I like Awana. Teach them scripture. Because that's better than any fancy acronym that I can come up with. Teach them scripture. 
the Jews held themselves, they knew we are God's chosen people. And that's why when Paul says in Romans chapter 10, they have a zeal for God. And they do. You, go, you get a chance to go to Israel and you see very dedicated Jewish people, they don't even let their eyes wander for a second. And they have all these different traditions that they do and you can tell what they look like. I'll never forget coming, I think we flew from Israel to, Jor- uh, to Jordan or somewhere and then we made the long flight. But the small flight, I remember seeing several Jewish um, Hasidic Jews that were, they would sit in their chairs like this. And they had the phylactery, the bands of leather with the box that had the law on it. One of the gentlemen had one on his forehead, just as it says. But the Jews naturally elevated themselves as better because they had the law. And so when Paul is saying here, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, he's saying we're born into this opportunity to have the law unlike the Gentile. But aren't you glad, I know the punctuations are not inspired, that there is a comma there, a breathing mark to continue into one of the greatest passages of Scripture, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Stop. When he says, yeah, we were by, Jew- by nature, we're Jews, we've got the law, but don't you know that no one is justified by that law? Can, I, can we get an amen tonight? Amen. That is golden. It doesn't matter what you're born into. No one is justified by the law. Doesn't this shade a little color on Philippians chapter 3 when Paul lists all of his details? (laughs) He says, I count it all as nothing, but that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. Let's look at it real quick. It's just a few pages over. As a matter of fact, I just turned to it. It's on page 1259. Good place to remind us. Verse 8, chapter 3 of Philippians. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. All those things were keeping him from believing on the Messiah. As a Jewish person, he was rejecting his Messiah. And there are Jewish people in the land today that still reject Jesus. And when the rapture happens, there's going to be 144,000 of those Jewish men that are going to come to the realization of the gospel, and they will believe on Jesus Christ. And they will be persecuted heavily. And the Jews are going to buy the Antichrist line. It's over. And they're going to start a a peace treaty and supernatural things are going to be happening to this world. And then at the the, the turn, where the tribulation becomes the great tribulation, the Jews will be slaughtered. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. Now look there in in, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of of Jesus Christ. And you, you just look right over there again. 
in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. But that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Continue there in, in Galatians chapter 2 and, and verse 16. <clears throat> Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not, and not, and not by the partiality of the law that set us aside from every other nation in the world, not by that law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. None. It doesn't matter how good you try to be or how Jewish you want to be. I remember we were interviewing Jay. If you remember this, we did this way back when the, when the podcast we started was called Calvary Connect, and it was a response to the pandemic. Like, uh, Yankee and I, we, it was just so weird to come here with nobody here, you know? And naturally, the messages were a little bit shorter, and things were just different. And I remember I, I went to Yankee, and I was like, let's just, let's just start a podcast where we interview people in the church. And one of the interviews I'm pointing over here is because that's where Jay and Mary Ann sit. And Jay is a Christian. Listen to what I just said. He's a Christian. I remember saying at the end of the interview, I'm just so blessed, or whatever I said, to be in the presence of a Messianic Jew. And when the mics got turned off, Jay said, you know, I, I don't like that phrase. And it shed light for the first time on what that really means. He's like, I'm not a Jew anymore. I get emotional. He says, I'm not a Jew anymore. I'm a Christian. I believe on Jesus. I don't keep the law too. He wasn't mad at me. But I, we turned the mic back on and I had, that, I had him explain that. Because I thought that was good. Jay's a believer who happens to be Jewish. Paul is a believer who was a Pharisee, but he, he's not that anymore. That no flesh shall be justified. I'm going to stop there because we, this next verse seems to say one thing, but it's best understood throughout the rest of the context, and I don't have time to explain it all. But uh, close your Bibles if you would. Wow, right? Uh, it's amazing what the Scripture has to say. This is the kind of, I've had people say, you know, um, you know why, why don't you teach this on Sunday morning? Well, one of these days I will. But it's just stuff like that where you're, you're just going verse by verse. That's why I like verse by verse. Because if we cherry pick one, one verse out of there, you miss the context. And that whole thing with James being in agreement with Paul is huge. If you miss that, then you look at what was done in Jerusalem as a slight on the church of Jerusalem. You say, well, they may have supported. No, they did not. You and I have to have the Berean mindset searching the Scriptures to see if these things are true. There is nothing that says you can only stay in the book of Acts. Because you know what? The book of Acts was never written as a book. There was no book of Galatians. These are historical records, accounts, letters that are sent to churches, to people. Luke was a physician. His Greek is some of the cleanest. Don't take my word for it because it's all Greek to me. But ask Dr. Gilbert. He knows. But the Greek in, in Luke is, is it's good. 
And you can see exactly what is being said. Not to say the Greek in other places is sloppy, but Luke's is more professional. So when we have Luke go through these details, we can know there's no question that these two were on the same page. But if you miss that, it really puts you on a rail. And now you start to look at James and you start to go, well, you know, I don't like how faith without works is dead sounds. So I, I am going to write it off. And it becomes that scary place in Scripture. There is no scary place of Scripture that we cannot explain with the clarity of the gospel or that does not support it. The only scary places in Scripture are the ones for those who die without Jesus and for those who live carnally. You got it coming for you. You see how strongly the Bible talked about people who don't work this morning? You're a sluggard. You're lazy. No one, no, that's not uh, encouraging conversation. It's the truth. And I just, I just want you to sit back for a second and go, man, the Bible is good. It's a unique book because it is written by God. And I'm just excited about that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I stopped saying if I could do a backflip, back I would, because I'm never going to be able to do one, you know? I remember, y'all familiar with LaFleur's down here off of uh, Anderson? I went there as a kid, and I remember being on the balance beam, and I tried to do something stupid, <laughs> and I busted my two front teeth out, all in the same, all in the same go. I'm not one for gymnastics, that's all to <laughs> say. I don't enjoy it, it's not something I'm excited about. I'm impressed by those that can do it. But I'm going to stop saying, if I could do a backflip, because let me tell you, folks, you want to see me do a backflip, meet me in my heavenly body. I'll do as many as you want. <laughs> it's not happening here. But I get excited, excited when the Bible is that clear, when you can take just your pencil and mark things. And I like drawing arrows and saying, ooh, look in Acts 14 here and consider what James says here, because it all comes together. Yankee uses this term, all of Scripture dovetails. I had never knew what that meant until I Googled what a dovetail is, and you're like, that's not just a common joint. That is seamless. That's a great illustration of Scripture. Dr. Arnold's been doing this for a while. Aren't you glad he hasn't strayed from the gospel? This hand to represent you and me, and my wallet to represent sin, this hand will represent Jesus Christ. This is the gospel in which Paul was taught. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, that's Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. Even when Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he's not talking about to keep this off of you. Whoa, you missed church. You better get it back or else God is going to put this right back on you. It's not what he's talking about. We have total 100% verification of eternal life, the moment in which we believe. And that gives us the ability to go out and be faithful, to do the works, meet of repentance. You're a believer? Don't tell me, show me. And show your neighbors, and show your coworkers, and show the people in your family. Show them by sharing the gospel. These things are all important, but if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've depended on something else which ultimately lays on you, you need to get it right right now. Don't wait. You walk out those doors, there's no guarantee you'll even make it out the doors. Believe on Jesus tonight and receive eternal life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heads are bowed, please, and eyes are closed. 
nobody's looking around. For those of you that are on the internet, maybe you're here for the first time, I want to encourage you, right where you're sitting, to put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he paid for your sins fully. There's no question about it. The moment that you believe, you receive the remission of sins. You receive an inheritance. And you're part of the sanctified, those who have already believed. You can do that right now on your little computer screen or mobile screen or tablet. And there's a button if you're watching on our website that says, yes, I will trust Christ. It says something along those lines. I encourage you to click that. It lets us know and we pray for you. For those of you who are here in the audience, if you have yet to believe on Jesus Christ for the full payment of your sin, do it today. Don't wait. But also, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to see how wonderfully accurate the Scripture is in relation to the Gospel. Acts chapter 26 has no contradiction with Acts chapter 9. James has zero contradiction with what Paul was doing. And be careful the things that you support. Be careful the people that you push and promote. Think to yourself, is there a place in the Bible where it says this just as clear as where this person said it? Father, thank you for your word. It's hard to stop here, but please bring us back safely for our midweek service and, and beyond that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.